right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 254. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. Uh, this is a double feature episode where you're talking about the Netflix movie Troll, as well as the also-on-Netflix movie Bullet Train, which was not produced by them, but we it was for free, so we're like, hey, well, we'll just watch that, too. Um, before we get into all those things, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on any of the streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Music as well. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating and maybe even a, re- a review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Pod. You can like us on Facebook. And you can email us at 3 Podcast at gmail.com. Last of all, don't forget to check out our merchandise store over there at tpublic.com. All right. Christmas is coming up, so. It is. Christmas is a coming. I had a funny experience today. Did you? I did. I honest to God don't remember how it came up. I think we My son is now interested in talking about like, you know, when you were my age, dad, Type of things, and you know, it began with cars because he's he's nuts, he's he's crazy for cars, and so it was like cars didn't have GPS, which is also an episode of Bluey. So, whenever your kids wonder things later on, it's because they saw it on Bluey, and it was very prescient. Um, and so it was like you know, cars didn't have GPS, and there was no screens, and there was just like you know, a knob that did things, and it was very rudimentary, and. He asked about albums, and I think he was asking, I don't know how it came up, like how, how you played mu- music. And so I went, hang on, and I went down to the basement, and I pulled out my old CD like um, briefcase with all the flaps in it. I'm like, I held it up, a physical piece of media. I said, this is an album. There are only 12 songs on this entire thing. You have to find, like, and we don't even own a single thing that could play. I think my wife's car has a CD player. Mine does not. My wife doesn't either. Yeah, like I don't know what to do with this thing. Like I literally now have it's just now for posterity getting, now. Now they're getting rid of audio auxiliary cable jacks. Yeah, my wife. Just, my wife doesn't have one of those either. It's just USB. We uh, I mean, my car has USB A drives which is a little antiquated as well it's mostly usb-c drives which is the tiny one which is a better drive but um yeah no you can't just plug your your old ipod into there you gotta you, know, you have to have an actual need a lot of know. dongles <laughs> <laughs> dongles on dongles for this it's stuff. it's the most unfortunately named because it's a very useful tool why we've named it a thing you could confuse for genitalia i don't know i I always tell students that because uh, I'm a teacher, remember that dongles dangle; they hang off of things. So that's how you remember it. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I know. Thanks. <laughs> but, you bet, kids. Was he astounded that uh, CDs were a thing? Well, it it was it was really. You didn't show him any of your tape cassettes. <laughs> I don't I, that those I do not have. I don't know. Do, do you have a cassette lying around? I think I have one somewhere. Yeah, oh my God. I don't have anything I can. I have nothing I can play it on, though. No, I mean like, I have that, CD players, but I that, don't have it. I could go out and find a CD player. I don't know that I could 
even figure out what to do with, with, with the cassette tape. But no, what was amazing to him was like he he was recognizing band names because you know we for some. He likes a lot of music that that my wife and I like, and you know he enjoyed the fact that Yellow Card, this weird punk band from the like the mid two thousands, had a violin, and he just like latched onto that idea, and he played the Yellow Card for six months straight. But like there are songs that he knows, like he knows the song "Are You Gonna Be Are You Gonna Be My Girl" by Jet, and so he saw Jet, and he was like, "Oh, look, it's Jet!" I'm like, "Yeah," you know, and it's. Um, I can't think of them now, but like he was recognizing band names as I was flipping through the whole thing, and um, it was it was really interesting for me to see like the the amount of artistry that went into creating the physical thing, you know, because we we all had you know ripped CDs and CDs that was that we just kind of wrote things on with permanent marker, but there were some albums that like I looked at it and I go I don't know what this is it's just red. It's just like this red CD. Like I, this could be anything. I really have no yeah. idea. God, I used to hate that. It, it, it's like some of them like like I had an Eve Six album. Speaking of like Eve Six, bringing out the dead here, but like Eve Six, oh, and like them. the only way you would tell was that like around the rim of the of the the center of the disc was the name of the band. Yeah, it'd be in like micro font. Yeah, it'd be uh, super small, and so like. And then, like, but it was it was fun for him to go like, "Yo, look, Dave Matthews, more Dave Matthews," and there were like seven or eight pages of just Dave Matthews CDs, and then John Mayer, and like all this, you know, not angsty, but like lovelorn type, you know, hippie sure. rock that I was into in like the '90s and early 2000s and that kind of thing. And it was a fascinating experience. Like, we're going to do this again in like 10 years, and it'll be just as fascinating to you then when you're 16 as when you're six. And you know what? You're going to have to explain those albums to him. Like, he's going to want to know. Like, <laughs> what was with this one? How come this one wasn't as good as that one? Like, yeah. I mean, my our father was the same way because our father was the biggest Sinatra fan you could find on the planet. And as I got older, I'd say he, you know, he tried to give them to me and then listen to this one, listen to that one. And then as I got older, it was like, well, what's the difference between, because the guy made like a hundred friggin' albums. And what's the difference between this one and that one? Or I like this song. I heard it was on this album. And like, he would start explaining it to me like, oh, well, that album was terrible. <laughs> like Sinatra made a bad album. He goes, oh, well, yeah, of course he did. Like it came at this point in the guy's career. Or he was this old. Or, so like, you might have to do that, you know? Yeah. Why did you stop getting Dave Matthews, um, you know, albums? Like, how come they get cut off when he kept making music? Like, you get, you got to give him the history on that stuff. Well, even just the idea of what an album is, like, well, it'll, you know, be, it'll be fun. It's a fun little nostalgia exercise. Yeah, and it's sort of hard to. I mean, I think I mean, this is where I give Taylor Swift a tremendous amount of credit. Is that you know, there are Taylor Swift fans that have been fans for what like 10 15 years it's been a long time she's not a she's not young anymore but she is the embodiment of young people like people of all ages love this this person but more than anybody that i can think of really of all time has 
like micro eras. Like people think about, you know, the Beatles as as having like there's versions of the Beatles. There's there you know there, there's the Sgt. Pepper's Beatles and then there's the White Album Beatles and then there's Abbey Road and yeah, okay, fine. And like you know, they had a relatively short shelf life compared to like the rest of Paul McCartney's career, which has been decades and decades. You know, and she's a lot like them in that, like, she decided, like, I'm going to make an album about this. It's going to be about a theme. One thing will define all the songs on this album. And maybe not every, I don't listen to every single song on her albums, but they, they culturally carry a weight that the Beatles also did. You know, like, every song on Sgt. Pepper belonged only on Sgt. Pepper. You couldn't transfer it to a different album. It wouldn't make any sense. It'd be bizarre. Yeah, I mean, she. You're right. I'm just. It's more marketing for her than it was she, for them. She is. I mean, she could be an AI voice for all I know. That's just is <laughs> made with algorithms and computers and and focus groups. Like she, she all of that is extremely uh, constructed and contrived. Whereas the Beatles were just out of their friggin' minds. Well, I, I think both were constructed and contrived. I think hers is more, you know, artificial than theirs. But they were also not stupid. They knew what they were doing. Well, no, they knew what they were doing. And so, like, they they might have approached it from a different starting point, and perhaps with you know with more of that of that end goal in mind. Like, you know, or rather, she has she, she they have the starting point. She has the end goal. Like, you know, she's like, I'm going to make an album that does this to like ten year old girls. And that's what she does. Whereas they were like, I have an idea about this thing and we're going to make something out of it. So like, this is working with the end in mind versus working with, you know, the the idea at the beginning in mind and then going wherever it leads you. And you end up with the same thing is that you have just, you know, aspects of your career that are defined by this chunk of songs. Yeah. Yeah. So troll, <laughs> troll, troll. Um, wh- did you get the idea for this? Because like it was in, in their top ten. I got the email. It's a movie you might like. <laughs> the, you 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 read emails from Netflix? Well, I don't read them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're the one. Yeah. I always feel bad for the guy that has to create the email. Like, you know, you I feel bad. You, He's getting paid. Well, <laughs> I I don't know that's true. <laughs> Ever since Elon Musk bought Twitter, there's been a pretty big shakeup. And like, you know, like he bought Twitter. Facebook fired half their staff. Like everything is uncertain now. I mean, it might not even be a person. It could just be a robot for all I know. Because clearly, you know. They oh, that's the thing this well. week, too. Everyone's just like, I've seen now literally two YouTube videos talking about AI that begin the exact same way. They go, oh, this is an interesting and thoughtful take on AI. And they go, psych, that entire intro was written by AI. I went, oh, you did it, too. Good for you. That's how they get you. I'm impressed. And it's, yeah, fine, like... Maybe, like, and I don't Maybe. know if it's a like. In the first case, I I really bought it. In the second case, I was like, something about this seems kind of sanitized. I can't tell what it is, but then 
And it was like, yeah, no, that was not written by me at all. That was just the, the intro to this video written by the AI thing. Like, that's, I'm unsettled by that. The, um, the guy, the author, John Green, is uh, a big presence on YouTube. Him and his brother have like a, a Vlogbrothers channel where they go back and forth about things. And um, very interesting guy. Um, but he his post on it was great. It was like I'm not concerned about like you know machines behaving more like humans. I'm concerned more with with humans behaving more like machines. I went like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's 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 a big concern. I like that concern. Mm. Good for you. So, but um, but yeah, I so so that AI wrote wrote you wrote you an email and said, watch trolls. And you were like, "What's trolls?" No, no. And I went, "Okay, not, not trolls, trolls, trolls." That's right. Because <laughs> trolls is with Justin Timberlake. Trolls, I forgot. Yes, very different. Yeah. Well, I also got one the other day about like the Meghan Markle and Harry die. I was like, "Whoa, swing and a miss!" Netflix. I am <laughs> never gonna watch that. Swing and a miss. So I was like, "Yeah, this looks stupid. Let's watch this." And then you said yes. So I'm like, "All right." He said yes. <laughs> And then I saw somewhere like the next day that like it had okay reviews. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, uh, whatever. It was not so bad. And then I watched it and um, I was wrong. It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ooh, this was, this was not good. So I didn't know this was a foreign film until I literally like the subtitles came up and oh because maybe it was like a year ago my wife and I were, were looking for something to watch and we heard that Lupin was good which was like a, a crime show on Netflix so like, alright well watch Lupin turns out that, that like, Lupin was a French show and we're like oh okay well we, we're, we're cultured people we've been to Paris we like French things I've written on the Eurostar I could do this and the default initially for Netflix is that it puts it in, in your audio native language. If you're in America or Britain, they put it in English for you. And the subtitles are an afterthought. So we, we put on Lupin. And I'm like, why does this sound so god-awful? And we're like, oh, because it's the dubbed version. We're watching, So we would have to put the subtitles back on. So I'm, I'm, I put on Troll, and I'm like, okay, what? Oh, there's a subtitle. Why was there a subtitle? I didn't... Oh, it's not in English. This is a foreign film. It's Norwegian. It is a Norwegian film, and it is a very, very Norwegian film. Yeah. Like, it was made by, like, you know, the Chamber of Commerce of Oslo. Like, it was very... (laughs) We we don't think Thor is doing us enough. We need to (laughs) amp it up a little bit. We yeah. we have one of the Avengers, but that's not sufficient. Apparently Fuck you, that's Sweden. Not, that's not enough. I, you I, you and your IKEA could go screw. We you know we. And they're like, what what do people know from Norway? Well, they know Frozen, <laughs> and they know um, you know the Epcot part. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. So oh, and trolls. I guess trolls. that's number three. Like people know trolls. Let's do a movie about trolls. But not the colorful ones. The very angry, serious ones. Very angry, you know, David the Gnome type trolls. You know, and they actually say things like Godzilla and King Kong throughout the movie. I was like, oh, we're just going to reference them, huh? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what did you think of Troll? So this movie, <laughs> I can't, I can't hate it. I don't know why. It's not good. It's not a good movie. It's not good. <laughs> no, no, it's not good. But I don't know if it's like the production value or the fact that it's done in a foreign language or or the fact that, that I watched it in two stints. I watched it one, like the first night. I watched about half of it. And I was just, you sent me that meme of like Kevin from The Office kind of like chuckling to himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. And then I had to, I went back and felt folded some laundry. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll, 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 I'll get to it later. I'll get to it tomorrow. And then you're like, oh, look, Bullet Train is now on Netflix. I'm like, oh, I really wanted to see that movie. And so when I had like the whole evening to myself yesterday, I was like, well, I got, I got two. I, I'm going to, I'm going to watch Bullet Train and I'll watch trolls on you know friday before we, we we do the podcast so i finished trolls two negronis in and this is my third one right here and so i was like you know i'm pretty engaged right now we're at the end of this film <laughs> but because it really begins kind of kind of goofy and so like i don't hate it but it's largely to do with the fact that it looks pretty good like I think about a lot of the bad movies that we've seen. Negronis really help. They really do a lot of the legwork here. But I also think about like, you know, when it went, went, whenever we were asked by, you know, various marketing companies to promote a movie that went like direct to DVD. Like a lot of those Bruce Willis movies that we would hawk for people and like I would go and find like the trailer for them and watch the trailer. I go, "Oh my god." Like this is terrible. Like you know, like some of the, some of these like C D level movies that you and I promoted on on this this podcast. You know, we we only really get to see in America the A list movies, the art house films, and like the 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 stuff that we were promoting was you know that's even below B. Like is a, a B movie would be better than than than, than this stuff. This has the kind of the flavor of, of a B movie, but it has the production value of something much, much higher. Like it's just you know the, the CGI was pretty good. The shots at the end of the film, when they're in Oslo and they're you know like there's they got lots of different locations. They have a lot of cast. They have a lot of equipment. Like you know they get, they get a lot of army vehicles. There's helicopters. I always think about that thing your your professor told you in college about how you make a book interesting by adding sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and you make a film better by just adding helicopters. And like that's wonderful <laughs> advice. It really is because it does it makes everything better. Anytime you're like this is a good movie, and then a then a helicopter comes swooping in around the frame, you go this is a great movie. You know, diehard benefits from a helicopter, for Christ's sakes. Like, every movie gets better with it, with helicopters. And as much as I think that, like, there are there's flaw after flaw with the film, I don't hate it. I just think it's dumb. And I can like a dumb thing. Like, plenty of things I can nitpick. Like, the biggest nitpick, of course, is, like, Okay, so the whole thing is about a, a woman whose father was a folklorologist, which I guess is a word now, and she becomes an archaeologist digging for dinosaurs on the coast of Norway. 
By the way, did you catch the one with cameo? With the Rocketeer? With the Rocketeer! <laughs> Billy Campbell. Billy And I'm like, this guy's Playing voice. A character whose last name is the, he's a Secord. And like, I'm watching going, this guy is oddly familiar. And then, of course, I do my research, which, which is by way of saying I go to the IMDb page for this movie and go to the trivia section. I go, wait. Wait, what? He must have owed a, owed a favor. It was like that um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he like sits and he points at the couch like, that's it. That's the guy I know. I was like, oh, my God, that's the Rocketeer. <laughs> it's the Rocketeer. And what like, are you I, doing? I went back and like rewind like, oh, my God. It's, it's Cliff. There's Cliff Secord. It's Cliff Secord. Just, I mean, I mean, we we should do a, an episode entirely about the Rocketeer because it's great movie, really great just movie. such a such a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, but I digress. Um, digress. Yes, <laughs> that's yes, that's the yes, one. The one there. But um, but yeah, so there's all manner of holes. Like, why does she go and like you know when, like she's the serious scientist that the Norwegian government goes to find and yet she's the one who starts like don't you guys see these are our footprints wait no you're the scientist who's supposed to be like not pointing out it's a mythological creature and then when they go and look for it they go wait let's go get my dad who's who's an insane recluse living somewhere you know in the Norwegian wilderness with a shotgun and no pants and we're you know we're gonna consult him. Why exactly does she go get him? Even though it causes nothing but like, so it basically, at some point I began to take notes, uh, like writing things down. And the first thing I wrote was, it's like a paint by numbers action slash monster movie that you forgive because you know I can't think I can't even read that word over here. <laughs> it's EO because it's a curiously well-funded middle school foreign language project. That's what I wrote down. And that's kind of what it feels like. Like, yeah, no, I'm okay with this because, like, you guys did a really good job making this look like a real movie. Because it's yeah, not. It's slightly above average sci-fi movie of the week. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of Pterodactyl starring Coolio. And as as I'm want to do, uh, yeah, it comes up every so often, and I was like, and that movie is awful, but it also looks terrible because the special effects are just the worst. I guess they blew their budget on Coolio, uh, and like I this guess mo- they blew their budget <laughs> on Coolio. Yeah, I'm sure he wanted more money than most of the other people, but that it's. It's not good. You're right. It, it it looks pretty because you know they're in a nice part of the world. You know Norway's beautiful mountains and fields and all that stuff, and the camera work is good and all that stuff. But the script was written by a six year old, and then yeah. a, their four year old sibling ripped it up, and the six year old had to tape it back together. <laughs> so, it paint by numbers is a good way to look at it. It it's ha- it has to hit certain beats. Like, okay, at the 20-minute mark, we have to have the problem. At 30-minute mark, we have to have the scientists meet. Like, 
it has to hit all those things. We have to have the emotional beat of the estranged father with the daughter. And they all have to connect whether they make sense or not. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't have to connect to one another. It just has to be there. You know, so like the relationship between her and her dad is strained and he's a strange weirdo recluse sometimes. But then like later they just make up within the first, you know, four hours of seeing one another. And he, he's not really crazy. Like all of his things that he says are actually accurate and he can, he can speak cogently to anyone that he needs to like, as long as the plot moves long enough to get us done in 90 minutes, it doesn't matter what happens in between. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest weird thing is, is the relationship between the father is that like, you know, there's what would have been better. And I don't normally like to rewrite a film, but I will happily rewrite this one. Cause it was barely written to begin with. Um, was that if her father was well known and somebody who was like, you know, well versed in, you know, Norwegian folklore and who kind of fell off the academic scene. And so she's she wants to find the scientific answer to the problem of like what's going on? Why is there a troll walking around? And they're like, Maybe we should contact your dad because he's, you know, super famous in figuring out you know Norse mythology, and she's like, "No, no, no. He's he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's a total recluse and a crazy person." And I'm and I harbor and you know things towards him because of his you know he was a he abandoned me as like a teenager or whatever else it is, and then they're forced to be together, you know, to solve the problem. And she comes around to seeing, you know, his perspective on things, and then they grow and in their relationship, and then he dies, like. You know, and then she feels real loss, but like she is the one that seeks him out, which makes no sense. Well, no, none of them. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and make say that any of it makes sense. Because if she's supposed to be the expert, I mean, they bring in like they bring her to the into like the briefing room with all the other scientists, and like no, she's the only scientist. Maybe one other guy, and like well, yo, know, you well, know, there, there, there's Professor like sinkhole, there, there, right? That, like that like guy. that's the Indian. The Indian guy mentions that we we called every scientist from every field because we don't know what it is. So there's did they? I missed that one. Yeah, there's like geologists. There's, and that's why I was like, why would they call a paleontologist? Like, what's the point of that? She studies bo- dinosaur bones mostly. Yeah, and they're talking, and so like that made no sense. But then like if she's supposed to be this person who only believes in science and fact because her father lost his mind studying folklore. How come she's the one who's like, oh, it's it's a troll? Yeah, it's obviously a <laughs> mythical mythical creature, you idiot. It's obviously a mythical creature, and like the other scientists are like, well, it must be gas and sinkholes and and light being reflected from the sun. And I'm like, no, that's what she should be saying. What are you talking about? Yeah, so her her entire <laughs> like, character like they didn't make any sense. No, and they like, didn't even pretend it would either. It just was like, all right, now we're just moving on. Yeah, no, just like plot. Yeah, and. It also struggled to find humor in things. Like it really wanted to have like a, like a larger cast of quirky characters, and it 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 didn't. It just it had the the slightly off color guy who was like her her guide, and his like his weird simp who was able to hack into the you know 
command oh, codes yeah, of the jet. Right. That was very strange. Well, that was the thing. Like, we just need that character. Yeah. We need someone who can hack into things. <laughs> so she's just there sometimes. And then, like, she needs to knock out the one other guy at the end and have a, a moment of strength beyond her computer keyboard. And, like, they just have her punch out the Secretary of State or something. And I was like, <laughs> am, am I supposed to feel so? Shouldn't she be in cuffs now because she, like, is being insubordinate? I mean, like, none of that made any sense. Yeah. No, it, didn't, know, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I, I was referencing dude where where's my car the other day <laughs> and my, that is a my mother-in-law's favorite movie I, I i will always bring that up because i love my mother-in-law for that fact yeah that is a hilariously stupid movie like it's it's mind-boggling how dumb it is but even that movie was better constructed than this yeah because at least the scenes had a natural flow and the characters were learning as they went throughout the, you know, I mean, that's only like an 80 minute movie. <laughs> but yeah, like struggled to hit that one hour and a half mark. Uh, yeah. The end then scene alone was like five minutes just to, <laughs> just to fill it out a little, <laughs> but I wasn't like confused. Like my brain could fill in the gaps. Like where this movie was just, you know, she needs a love interest. So she just flirts with that army guy who's sometimes in charge but sometimes not in charge i love that he got that like I, well there were two things i thought were strange about that one he got the rousing scene where we're gonna like get everyone all ginned up to fight the troll like all right yeah. everyone <laughs> gather around <laughs> i'm it's like, like the, what? Ind the independence day scene <laughs> yeah it's all like think it was like oh my god president mitchell what do you have to say and like he, like he found this weird what like subunit of Muslim soldiers. Like he greeted that guy with an assalamu alaikum. Like that was, and the oh, guy was yeah. dark skin. Like, and that may so this may be where things differentiate and like for American audiences and and and, and a lot of. Americans, I don't know that they know this, but in a lot of places in Europe, there are, which is not entirely untrue of the United States too, but like there are, you know, places that within cities that minority groups will sort of take over as like a little conclave. But now we're not entirely unfamiliar with that. We have Chinatowns in every city in in the country. It's a thing where people of different ethnic groups come and settle and that's been the way it is since, you know, the mid-19th century. It's not unusual. But in Europe, a lot of the times, those cultures may develop such strong control over areas of cities that the, the police don't always get themselves involved. Like, Paris is famous for this. Where, like, there's a Muslim section in Paris where the Paris police don't go. Like, they're just not there. You know, something happens to you while you're there. Like, well, I you shouldn't have been there. One of those things. Like, And so I, I, I don't know much about Norway at all. I just don't. I know it's remarkably similar in some ways to Finland and Sweden, but it's not the same thing. And when, you know, this Muslim person was introduced briefly as a character and... The only way you know he's Muslim is that he was greeted with a 
with an with an Islamic greeting or a Muslim greeting, and somewhat of darker skin than the you know milk toasty white guy that you know was that was black? Captain. He was, was basically black. yeah. I mean, it was hard to tell. It was it was it was dark in the scene, but yeah, he was black essentially. But they were dressed like army guys. They were in the army. They had all the army paraphernalia, but they weren't necessarily of the regular army. That's why it was kind of a weird thing. So, like, you're in a culture, but you're not of a culture. And so they're somewhat separated, it seems, in this movie from the main army. And that got me thinking about, like, you know, how different cultures come to inhibit a part of a European country or city, but don't sort of assimilate at all, not even a little bit. And so it's a, it's a total enclave. And I don't know how much of a, of a, of a role that concept played in this, but it was definitely, it, it made them stand out. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Just, just because I was like, oh, just here's a unit from the army that he knows because he knows that guy personally. Well, the fact that he went out of his way to greet him with a different, like, not how are you doing, not aye aye, sir. It was like, assalamu alaikum. Like, whoa, that's very different than all the other interactions you've had in the whole film. Well, so, by then I was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and like the last thing I'm, I'm that I had here was basically was like, who am I supposed to feel sorry for? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems like. The troll is sort of this put upon creature that of a bygone era, but at the same time he's murdering a lot of people. Is he? Kind of. He's he's being what? pretty choosy. We don't sort of not, see any of that. Not exclusively choosy, and she that they both want to kill the troll and want to talk to the troll. They can't decide what they want to do, and they. <laughs> Spoiler alert, inadvertently killed the troll by the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. And like they're all fine with that. Like, let's not kill the troll. Let's pull the plug on our devices. And then the sun comes up and it turns to stone anyway. And they're all like, oh. Oh, 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 oh. oh. So pancakes? <laughs> like, let's name it after my dad. And I'm sure there's a delightful Norwegian breakfast pastry we could all go enjoy. Yeah, don't shower or anything. What do you guys have like a like like for a for, for like a Waffle House over here? Like, what do you what do you do? Uh, yeah, so I you're supposed to like for so much of the movie, it's just like a Godzilla thing. Like it's just wrecking houses and stepping on people when it's not paying attention, and then it's it's swatting the helicopters at one point and it's it saves the helicopter from falling on like a bunch of bystanders or like a little kid. And they, the characters themselves are like, Ooh, did you see that? Did you see what the troll just did? Perhaps it's not evil. And then they go back to trying to kill it two seconds later. So I'm just like, I, I don't understand here. What, what is this troll doing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it also didn't know when it wanted to be funny or not. Well, that's what I was going to say. The biggest problem, I think, was that there's at one point where they mentioned that the troll is going to go walking through like an amusement park, like like a water a water park kind of place. And everybody starts to run and scream as the troll is walking through. And nobody dies. The troll is just like, it stops because it looks down like, oh, people. 
And, and like in every dumb movie, there's a little kid who is frozen at the sight of it, like <laughs> holding the ice cream cone, staring up at the sky like, wow, look at that thing that's about to squish me. And in most movies, it's it's a cliche now. So you just sort of go with it. And the parent comes and swoops up the kid like right before the kid gets squished. So I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, we're, we're putting the kid in danger. Okay. Uh, never for a second did I think that the kid was going to get squished by anything. <laughs> and the kid kept, they kept showing reaction shots of the kid. And then like, then they, like there's the kid staring up. Then there's the troll and he's swatting at the helicopter trying to take him down. Then there's the kid. Then there's the troll trying to like roar and complain in agony. Then there's the kid. And I'm like, how long is the kid going to stand there <laughs> and stare <laughs> at this thing? <laughs> like it went on and on. And I was like, okay, now that's, if it was supposed to be funny on purpose, like that would have been a funny like gag that that people do that in horror movies or whatever. But it was just played straight, yeah. you know. Like they just kept showing the kid to stretch out the scene, and the the movie was trying to be really serious. It didn't have those moments of like, we know this is stupid, so you can kind of just shrug along with it, you know. Well, they, like, they, they 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 try to give you a couple of like. Of those moments with that, with, with the uh, like the the prime minister's aide, who's like, I announced my retirement, and he's like, Why did I say retirement? Like that it was really stupid. Like 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 they're not unfunny bits, but they're just out of place. I mean, they're they're mostly unfunny. I well, 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 not very once. funny. I could recognize them as attempts at humor, kind of like an as as if an AI wrote the script to this movie. Like you're like, oh. <laughs> They want to be funny here. I see. I recognize a human emotion in this robot script. Yeah, but yeah. since it wasn't done anywhere else, it it was really awkward. It was just awkward. I only laughed once when he like resigns and he puts his card down for the prime minister <laughs> and he tries to, but he can't get out without his key card. And he comes back. Yeah. He's like, "I'm I'm gonna need that to get out of the room." And I was like, "Okay, that's funny." <laughs> that, you know? that's what I was thinking. I was like, "It's it's still badly timed, but like that's a that's an actual joke. Good yeah. for you." So like, it's not a it's not a so bad it's good movie where you can watch and giggle along with it. No. It, it sounds that way when we're talking about it, but it really wasn't. I was just like, "This sucks. This is boring." No, it's it, it's no Anaconda two, right? Yeah, or even Venom. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're not you're not even getting the, the wackiness of Tom Hardy here. No, and like I I I tried to watch it on like one and a half speed, and I couldn't because like I couldn't read that fast. I was like, all right, I, I have to I have to to stay focused because like although yeah. I, I will say, I'm, I mean, and again, the alcohol is a crutch here, but the. The last bit of the movie when they when they're in the little pickup truck, this like you know like you know vintage Chevrolet, and they have the skull in the back of the truck, and the trolls following them through the city and destroying things. Like they did get money for CGI; it looked okay. Like it really didn't look bad. I mean, Sharknado was bad; it had bad CGI. This didn't have that. It didn't have a lot of close-ups of the troll. Those were highly rendered and so they were few and far between but it looked like a monster movie it really didn't look bad yeah they they did have that 
I mean, they had, but they all, but also like when I was watching it, like there weren't a lot of scenes of action at all. A lot of it was just the, like, that was probably the biggest one where the troll was like smashing like highways and stuff to get to the thing. But like when he was fighting the army and stuff, a lot of that just kind of got blurred away. Like the flames would cover up things. I was like, oh man, there, there's, there's not a lot here that I can actually like follow. Yeah. It wasn't unclear, but it wasn't like, it wasn't drawing you in. Right. It wasn't that I was like confused or anything. It was just like, oh, this is something happening. Like the the tr- the troll roaring was supposed to indicate pain. And I was like, eh, all right, but I, I couldn't get invested in it in any way. So yeah. So yeah, I mean, Netflix good for you when you're you know top ten, but uh, it's not good. Not good. I wouldn't recommend this one. Now, Bullet Train. Yeah, and then I got an email two days later that Bullet Train was out, and I I had wanted to see that. I did. Over the summer, but nobody would go with me. (laughs) I couldn't get away to see it by myself, so I just let it go. I want to ask you a question. How old do you think Brad Pitt is? He's got to be 50, right? He's 58. He looks pretty good. He is 58. He'll be 59 soon. Because, like, when you think of, like, old-timey movie stars, you're like, oh, okay, well, who's an old-timey, you know, like... <laughs> Cary Grant? <laughs> yeah, like Cary <laughs> Grant. I'm talking about. You know... Uh, old helmet head. You know, people say, who, who say, to hers day. You know, like, old-timey. Like, <laughs> Cary Grant... They wear hats on Easter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like... So people can do an impression of Cary Grant. You, you like, like my dear, like you can. It's sort of this weird accent that's not quite British, but it's not quite not British either. And but like, there were a few people that popped up in like the mid twentieth century and made their way through the second half of it. You you couldn't do an impression of them because they were so unique in terms of their just being a fucking movie star. And Robert Redford, I think, is at the top of that list. You can't do an impression of Robert Redford. You just can't. It's not possible. Because he's so nebulous a person, but he could play anything. He's just, he's good. He's a good actor. Um, But he's kind of soulless in that regard. Tom Cruise is like that, too. You can't really do an impression of Tom Cruise. I was going to say, like, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks you can do an impression of. Because he's also, Tom Hanks at his best is a character actor. What does it say? Are you doing an impression of Tom Hanks or an impression of Tom Hanks' characters? What's the difference? Well, like he, he, he can be a Does character. he have a southern accent or no? Well, he can be, he can be, I mean, like Tom Hanks, did an, it, Tom Hanks did an impression of Tom Hanks on SNL playing himself the dumb version on Jeopardy. Like that's, like. That is like the it, it it's like one of those like it's like that Eddie Izzard bit where you kind of like you know you go around again being cool and then looking like a dickhead it's like it's like just like, like around the corner from that like Tom Hanks is kind of like the full circle and then some he is his own flat circle but you can't do an impression of Redford you can't do one of Tom Cruise can you do one of Brad Pitt I don't think you can I think Brad Pitt is in that like zone. Where he's just gonna be Brad Pitt now forever, and he can do whatever he wants until he just drops dead. 
I don't think Brad Pitt's a movie star anymore the way that like Tom Cruise is. Anymore? Or I think they're on the I same think, level. Well, they come from the same era and everything, but like I still don't think Brad Pitt sells movies out anymore the way that Tom Cruise does. Like, hey, there's a new Tom Cruise movie. What crazy wacky stunt is he gonna do? Hey, Brad Pitt's in this. Okay. I like him, but I don't know if I'm gonna go see it just because he's in it. And I'm not saying you sh- you shouldn't because you probably should because Brad Pitt is really really good a very good actor but he just doesn't sell tickets the way that Tom Cruise does like that. Okay, that that is a fair point, but I will push back against that and say that like that's not so much Tom Cruise as it is the brilliant marketing idea that was to make the behind the scenes the front of house for Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise has made so much money off those movies by putting the whole idea of they really did this at the forefront. Like, the story of Mission Impossible 4 is pretty rudimentary. There's nothing terribly creative about the actual story of that film. I like that movie a tremendous amount. I think it's really, really well done, acted, executed, directed, everything else. But... What sold people on going to see it was like Tom Cruise hangs off the Burj Khalifa. What sold people on the most recent one was the shot of him driving a motorcycle off a cliff. That was it. So I think that, yeah, we all want to see Tom Cruise eventually die on film. Like we're all invested in that possibility. But even though we know it's never going to happen, because they wouldn't have like released the film in the same way, maybe they would. Maybe, maybe they'll subvert expectations and go like, you know, he actually died there. He's 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 AI now. <laughs> he, he pulled a Vic Morrow, and then here we are. Yeah. But you know, I I I still think that like you pulled that aspect of it out, that marketing like little thing out of it. I actually still think that Brad Pitt will get me to go to a movie if it looks good as much as Tom Cruise will. If you just take out that whole like if you put Tom Cruise in a you know, in a new movie that's not Mission Impossible or Top Gun and you say go see this movie Tom Cruise is in it and give me no other information about it. I'm as I'm as inclined to go as if it was Brad Pitt. Mm. You know, it's cuz yeah. yeah, I mean, you might be one of the few. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm just judging by box office returns. You know. Oh no! Well, I mean, you can, yeah, you don't. You absolutely that that's a, and that's that's a perfectly sound metric to say like, you know, Tom Cruise does this this insane thing where he jumps out of a plane, you know, while you know murdering three guys and playing three card Monty in the middle of the air. Like that's you know like I I'll pay to see that sure because. There is an expectation where you go, what, what, what you're watching is is more thrilling than if it was something from Marvel. And I think that's why, you know, if for no other reason, like that, that's why Top, Top Gun did so well. You know, Tom Cruise couldn't have made Top Gun and made it as successful as he did if he hadn't made the first six Mission Impossible films. It's just, just not possible. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what that's what happens. You, yeah. You build and, on that. And Brad Pitt's career has been very different. He's made 
a lot of different choices. He made Fight Club and 12 Monkeys and he made 12 Years a Slave. And like, he's just, it's a different way of, of making movies. But I, I, I think because he's a thoughtful person, it seems like, you know, who's, whose production company has, you know, made him more success, successful than, than, than his acting career, much, much in the same way that Tom Cruise's has. I, I look at it and go, oh, well, Brad Pitt chose to be in this ridiculous movie about assassins on a train. And that pushed me to go see it versus if it had been like, you know, Jeremy Renner or, you know, any you know, insert generic white action star here. Like that's, you know, that, that it was Brad Pitt deciding to take time out of his day, in, you know, in his geriatric career to make this movie you know, made me more curious about it than if it was somebody else. So. So what'd you think? What'd you think? Ah, I beat you that time. I, that, that, that was all me. I, I, I ran the show the last moment. You can do this one. Um, I had a wonderful time watching <laughs> Bullet Train. I thought it was great. Uh, it was funny. It was action-packed. And it's funny because I was watching it and I was like, this feels a lot like Deadpool. And then I looked up and it was the same director. And I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, it's the same guy. makes a lot of sense. He did Deadpool 2. And I think he did some of John Wick. Also he, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he does action movies like that. He did uh, Atomic Blonde and things like that. Um, it was it was really good. It was, it was very stylish. And uh, it had great dialogue. Very Tarantino-esque dialogue. But, you know, especially between the two English uh, assassin guys, whatever they are. Oh, they were great. You know, uh, and it was just written. It's based on a book. Um, but the movie did take some liberties at the end. It did a lot of gender swapping and, and things like that. But it was written really, really well. And um, even as it started coming together at the end and I was like starting to put the pieces together, there were still some things that I had forgotten that came back around at the end and I was like, Oh my God, that's right. I forgot about that. And, and it was very, it was very well done that way. So even though it has a ridiculous premise and uh, it's just sort of like stops, like the movie just ends because uh, you run out of characters. They start killing each other and, and the train literally comes off of the tracks. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is as good a place as any for the movie to just stop. Um, I, I had a great time. It was a lot of fun to watch. And, I think that was reflected in like, cause I looked up the critic scores and the critics gave it very mixed reviews, but all the audience and cinema scores and all the, through the roof, you know, sometimes you can just get a movie that's fun and engaging and holds your hand just enough that you can enjoy it. And then you can walk away the same way the movie's over. Like I don't have to watch any sequels. I didn't have to do any homework to watch this. You know, I, everything was clear who was who and who was doing what. You know, like a lot of these Marvel movies, as much as I like them, require homework. This didn't have that. And if they yeah. never make another one of these again, okay, fine. Like it was a good two hours at the movies. Um, so I, I, had a, I had a great time. I thought it was good. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. No, I, I I have no notes. <laughs> Not that anybody asked. But I, I just, yeah, I mean, this was, it, there, there were times where it felt a little long because it it wasn't long it was only like two hours 
But there were so many characters and there was so much to kind of keep track of. But after a while, it began to make fun of that, too. And, like, the water bottle became a character in the movie. Like, it, it you know, every character gets its own introduction. And some characters only get an introduction. Like, was that Ryan Reynolds who plays Carver? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like... Channing Tatum was in it. Channing, I forgot about Channing Tatum. Like, yeah. I was waiting for him to be like a sleeper guy on the. No, he's just Channing Tatum in the movie. Channing Tatum, and he's only in it for six minutes, and then he was gone. Yeah, like you know, he got paid four million dollars to do that. Like, yeah, no, I mean, and and then uh, what's his face was the bad guy, um, General Zod. Oh, uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. He he. So there was a movie he was in that was recommended to me. I can't think of the name of it now, but like I, I'll, I'll text you later. It's one of those ones where it was like this is kind of an indie movie and it was kind of ludicrous in some ways, but like it's, it's about like a crazy guy who gets like visions of the end of the world, and then the end of the world happens, and like you get to watch it actually unfold, and you know. I heard I heard someone describe it, and he was like, "Yeah, the end, the, the end of that film is bananas." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's when you know this guy is serious. Like, this was quite the spectacle, and he's he's a very underrated actor. But I like that oh, he can also yeah. make fun of himself. Oh yeah, Michael Shannon's a very good actor. Like, you know, I I I heard a podcast with him one time where it's like, "Wow, you're a terrible talk show guest because you don't want to be on a talk show." All you want to do is this pure, like, I want to make a movie and go home. You know, he's very Harrison Ford in that, like, I don't make TV shows, I make movies, and then I go home. I work for as little as possible, for as much money as I can, and then I go back to what I'm doing. And it's all for, like, it's a a craft-centric, you know, decision-making tree. Hmm. And, um... Uh, but yeah, he was like, I was like, that's not Michael Shannon. It sure was. But like, yeah, everyone in this movie is good. Nobody sucks. Pro- you know, production value through the roof. Lots of fun, you know, like, you know, celebrity cameo kind of a thing. And, you know, it, it felt a little bit like a video game, but that's because it's Japanese. And so that's just how those things go. Yeah, it was. It was meant to, like when people always say like oh it looked like a PS2 cutscene like in in this case it was supposed to look like that yeah like that's a stylistic choice it's so not, it's not an accident right I mean there are some movies that that don't look good and the action scenes look like they were they came out of an anim, an AI can of, but of you know here's just some canned animations but like this was supposed to look like that well well not even that too but like I I heard someone describe the movie 1917 as being a um, a video game kind of movie where, you know, as you progress through the story and you met, you know, various people in the British Army as that one actor moved his way through the whole thing, you were running into various people. Kind of like, like Saving Private Ryan did this too. Like there were so many cameos in that movie that you ended up with Matt Damon and you're like, oh, it's that guy from that movie that, that, that one time. You know, mm-hmm. where like it was, you know, every time you met somebody that you recognized, it felt like you were moving, like that th- that character's presence, because of the actor, felt that you had entered a next stage of the f- of the story. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with that. When you got to the end of, of 1917, and it's Benedict Cumberbatch, who's, you know, a very famous and well-respected and not very prolific actor. He pops up here and there, but he's not like everywhere. You know, you kind of go, oh, wow, look who decided to be in this film. It's someone like Benedict Cumberbatch. And we all loved Sherlock and blah, blah, blah. But um, this kind of felt like that, too. Like, every, you know, then you, you culminate with what I believe, or rather who I believe is is the actual, you know, darling of American entertainment, which is Sandra Bullock. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy that. Raj from the Big Bang, uh, uh, sorry, the, the Big Bang Theory put it very, very well to say that, like, you know, Sandy B always brings it, you know, because she's <laughs> she because she's great in everything, and it's true. Like yeah, she's she just good. phenomenal. Like talk about a career. This lady can do whatever she wants. It's just that's that's who she is. But it felt like that. Like oh look, we're we're at the point now where where where, where Sandra Bullock shows up. Where do you go from here? Nowhere. The film just stops. It's the yeah, end of the movie. That's it. They're literally just going to walk away <laughs> <laughs> and and not say anything to anyone. Like, well, we're out of here. Well, that's lunch, everybody. Let's go. Yeah, my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> what and, are you uh... <laughs> doing? Yeah, no, this was great. This was a great movie. It was good. It was. It was. Fun. It was not deep. Well, that was my only real problem. So I had two things. One, one you're right, is that as well-written as it was, there were a lot of characters. And some of them, obviously, are more developed than others. But, like, to get their backstories in, they would do these, like, flashbacks. And some of the flashbacks were long, and yeah. they were stretched out, and they were detailed, that didn't, and they didn't always need to be. Um. Even with the two guys, like the biggest example is the uh, Mexican guy. He's yeah. like, he becomes like a, a hitman for some mob boss. And like his backstory goes on and on. And he gets killed in the first like eight minutes of the movie, that is, of the scene that he's in. But even with the two, the two henchmen, the two English guys, like they had a lot that kept going on and on too. And I was like, the more I'm learning about these two guys, the less interesting they become. You know, it's it's funny to me that you get some hints about what they were doing, like when they're putting people through wood chippers. And yeah. You're just, like, you're just like, oh my God, that's terrifying. But then like when they show them growing up in like the same house together as little kids watching Thomas the Tank Engine, I was like, I don't need to see this. Like, It reminded me a lot of, oddly enough, um, Love Actually. Hmm. It, show your work. <laughs> In that, like that, that movie is seemingly about people who are not connected to each other. They're just you, you. You see five or six like individual stories. So there's, you know, Emma Thompson and uh, Liam Neeson. There's the two um, like stand-ins for the porn movies with Martin Freeman and the other lady. There's the prime minister and the other guy. Like you know, you just you you're watching. Oh, the What's his face? Um, uh, Alan Rickman and the like. There's all these different couples in the film. Of course, the guy from The Walking Dead and Keira Knightley. And in the last like ten minutes of the movie, at the airport, you realize they all know each other. 
the, they don't they're, know each other. They're just in the airport together. Right, but no, but they're connected to each other. Some of yes, them, a lot of them are connected. Yeah. yeah, like so-and-so works for somebody else, and so, and it's not that they're connected in the sense of that the story is connecting them to the point where their behaviors are influenced or you can see why people made certain decisions. But a lot of it was like, oh, and by the way, these guys also murdered my entire gang back in Bolivia. Like, they're, like that's not necessary to know. You know, like, it, it is kind of helpful, but at at that point you've forgotten you know, like that in the beginning of the film, he said, though, he hired the two guys who did the Bolivia job. And he thinks he's saying that because we did such a good job on the Bolivia job. That's why they, they hired us to do it. But in fact, it was because they hired us because we killed the the guy's entire crew. And, the you know, so it, it it's not as tenuous as it is in Love Actually. Oh, but no. The, right. They're connected, and like as the movie was going on, and they kept adding more people, and I was like, oh. And like the characters themselves would say, you look familiar, or like something like that. You know, sometimes they would they would mention that they that the other guy looks, you know, from the past that they knew. But I was like, oh, they're, they're all connected somehow. And I actually figured out, spoiler alert, that whoever sent them on the train meant for them to kill one another. Like, the idea was that they would all kill each other somehow, and, like, that would just be the, the point of the movie. But for me, the problem was what the theme of the movie was about fate and choices. Yeah. And, like, the choices that you make are always interwoven with other people's choices, and then sometimes there's a through line that just connects people, and things are going to go a certain way. And that doesn't come in until, like, the last 20 minutes. So for a lot of the movie, a lot of the characters make jokes about how lucky or unlucky that they are. Like Brad Pitt's always like, oh, I'm unlucky. You know, I, I do my job, but I get shot at half the time. And the girl in pink was like, I'm always lucky. Things always work out for me. And I'm like, is this the point of the movie that some people have bad luck, but it doesn't really matter? Like, you don't really care because you're having a good time watching them banter and the fight scenes are very well choreographed. But after a while, I was just like, what is the point of this movie? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to be? What's the message here? And then the old man gets on the train and says, you know, it's fated to work this way. You trust in fate or you don't. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, that it, That's an odd concept to be doing for this. Yeah, the, the, the idea of, of agency is is played with a lot here and they they want to they, they want to make a point like oh no it's not the same thing yeah like it's it's very japanese in that regard like the, you know there's there's you know the 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 surrendering of agency while you put up the pretense that you have it all right how how much control do you really have and how much of it is other people and then the third option is how much of it is just out of your control completely you know it's just like and that's fine but it doesn't come into into play until the very end because yeah. up until that point everything just looks like a bunch of dumb coincidences which is how most of the americans would look at it like it just happens to be this it happens to be that you know yeah and if you're smart you know like okay well nothing here is by accident it's careful enough of a film where you're like, yeah, no, there's there's got to be a way that this can be connected to each other. There's nothing to, to truly random in the story. 
and um and yet at the same time when they just kind of like well she gets hit by a car and we walk away like that's the end of the movie like she literally gets hit by a bus and then right well did you say for the did you see the mid credit scene? Mid credit, barely mid credit. Oh no, I I didn't I didn't know that. Did, did oh, you gotta that? see that. Oh, <laughs> no. I know, I, mean, I missed it. Shit. Okay, go ahead. Tell me what. Well, you know when the, it's it's the him Brad Pitt and the black guy Lemon are fighting all the henchmen as the train is going out of control, and Lemon falls out of the train with one of the henchmen and lands yeah. in like a river. He climbs out of the river. <laughs> Hails a hails a, a truck, and it's full of tangerines, and he goes a tangerine truck. Like what are the odds? Jumps in the truck, drives towards the train, and then runs her down. He's driving the truck. Oh, he's driving the truck. Well, very well done, everybody. Yeah, it was cute. It was very well done. Slow clap. That's <laughs> yeah. Well so, done. Um. What was I gonna say? So like that was just the only thing that um I, I just had a I find it odd, you know, that that was the theme of the movie because it wasn't played that way for so long, you know. Yeah, no, it was not all over the place, but not not all over the place kind of a thing. So that was good. It's definitely it it was an under uh, an underviewed film, it seems like people I mean, it it made money, but like this could have made more money than that. Like you know, years ago, this would have been like a huge thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I, I oftentimes, especially now that I'm I'm in like a personal mode where it's just like, listen, I am done with all of your, you know, intellectual property nonsense. Like I, you know, I, I walked out of a Marvel film. Yeah. Like I don't think I remember. I don't think we've given that enough thought as much as you were pissed at me. Like like that was a big deal. I have not walked out of a lot was, of movies. I was pissed at you, but I it was I kept it to myself. Yeah. No. I mean I sat through it. And I mean my my leaving that movie wasn't so much a function of like this is really bad. It wasn't very good, but it wasn't so bad that I walked out. But, uh, I, you know, it was one of those things where, like, you know, as you get older and you have things to do, you know. Like not it, a podcast? Like not a podcast. <laughs> there, 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 there are times where it's just like, you know, I, I bet you we can put together 45 minutes to an hour about this movie, whether I finish it or not. Even if, Even if you didn't finish it. I'd be like, we can talk about this for a bit, and it's just it, it'll be fine. But you know, it's one of those things. Like as you get older, and things happen. You know, y- your household, everyone's sick of, sick of your house. My house, the last month has been a disaster over here. Everybody got sick. I haven't been sick in two, three years. That includes the time I got COVID. I didn't actually get sick. I just had COVID. It didn't matter. I was, you know, like I just kept sticking that thing on my nose, going, "Yep, still positive." Like I don't know what to tell you. Um, but like we we finally got over our our, our illnesses, and you know we hadn't gone to the grocery store in two weeks. Like we like I I'm sorry, I have to leave. This is just nonsense. And so I left there. I went to the grocery store. I just didn't have the time. And 
And now it's just like, well, if I'm going to invest two hours of my life, and in that case, it was two hours and 45 fucking minutes into something. I'm like, I, I would rather have watched Bullet Train had it been 45 minutes longer than sit through, you know, the the second Black Panther movie. Because, you know, a standalone film can be just fun to enjoy. Like, it doesn't have to be weighed down with all the stuff that came before or all the stuff that will come after it. It's 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 nice just to see a movie that is independent of all that, and usually you don't you don't get to do that anymore. So, yeah, this is good. Anything you didn't like about it? I mean, the things I didn't like about it, you know, were, were kind of shallow because the whole film is kind of shallow. Like. It's kind of hard to keep track of a few things. Some 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 things seem contrived, but like, yeah, it's that that's the fun of it, you know. Like the whole film is sort of like shoehorned into one thing, and you can't complain about it for being what it is. It's a you know, it's a contrived movie to you know, to be kind of ridiculous, and that you know, it's it, it, the thing that makes it silly and dumb, and the thing I would complain about. As long as you lean hard enough into that, is the thing that 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 redeems it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I I I can't think of a of a single thing worth complaining about. It was it was well written. It was the characters were consistent. You know, I, yeah, I really have no overarching things. Where like you know that was kind of. I wish they hadn't done that, but like. You know, its flaws were made up for the fact that, like, you know, they, they were. It's 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 almost like they were trying to make a film with flaws in in some capacity. Does that make sense? Uh, no. Or <laughs> it was like <laughs> they 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 weren't worried so much about whatever flaws they were creating because they were so focused on making other things really really good. No. So, mm-hmm. how about you? Do you have any anything you could kind of poke at? Uh. Not really. I think I find it odd that Brad Pitt's character was like trying to be a better person. Like he goes to therapy and stuff and not be violent. And it's commented on too. Like um, Sandra Bullock will say, like, do you, you know what job you do, right? You're a handler. You, you snatch and grab, you shoot people. And he's like trying to get out of that. But you know what? It was, it was consistent the whole way through. And it, it allowed him to make comments on the movie, like, like he was Deadpool. Yeah. You know, like he could look and be around and be like, this is an odd situation. And have you tried not shooting each other in the face and things like that? Whereas like if he was a cold blooded murderer, like a Tom Cruise character in that collateral movie he was in or whatever, then it wouldn't be any fun because he'd be so straight, like straight laced kind of guy. So it, it made no sense, but you're just kind of like, whatever, this is funny, I guess. Yeah. I mean, consistency does a lot of legwork in these movies. Like they, you know, as long as the characters behave in ways that don't make you go, why would you do that? You know, e- you know, even if the entire character seems out of place, like why would a guy like that do a job like this? Like that's more forgivable than if you began a certain way and ended up like he keeps throwing away all the guns. Yeah, that's. That's brilliant, just to say, like, you know, the most murderous thing that they have in front of them is is is, is a gun. 
you know, he's not afraid of stabbing a guy in the face. He's not afraid of protecting himself. And he kills the woman with the snake venom and the whole thing. Like, That's you know, the best part. <laughs> you need some water or something. Like, <laughs> she's like just bleeding from her eyeballs. Trying to talk her through it. Like, you, you, do you want to hold your hand? You know, like, yeah. You know, I'm like I think my favorite bit was like "Do not open snake" when like there's the toilet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, you know, like you know, be, audiences don't forgive when a character does it one thing in one scene and a different scene, different thing in a different scene. They just don't, they don't do it. But if you are out of place in the whole film, then that's who you are because that's what life is. You're, you know, people might, might be out of place. You know, as you know, as they as they exist as a whole person in a certain environment in their job and their school, whatever it is, but you know, you 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 you, you can forgive that because it's there, there's an honesty and a connectedness to the rest of the behavior. You know, but you know, if, if you if you're different to half the film than you are at the end of the film, like well, that's just, you know that that that's not forgivable. It's just your brain won't make sense of that, and then then the hell with it. You might get a movie like Troll. Yeah, seriously. I just kept thinking that all the time. I'm like, this is much better written than Troll. Oh yeah. <laughs> so wait, Troll was written? Well, it was <laughs> it was performed. That, look, that AI did a really bang up job. I really can't argue with yeah. that. It watched fifty Godzilla movies, and this is the <laughs> script it spit out. So. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Stupid monkey. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for someone to make that joke. <laughs> type it in. Can you rewrite <laughs> the tale of two cities? And someone goes, it just like seems when someone starting at a screen with like like you know like like what was that movie? The Hackers. That movie yeah, from like hackers. the late nineties, where you'd be looking at a character's face. And for whatever reason, the text of the screen was being imprinted on their face as if it was reflecting on their face. I really want that scene to go. Having someone scan text and going, it was the blurst of time. It's such a 90s movie thing, too, where like, oh, my God, as if we didn't believe they were looking at the screen like they did in the Matrix a few times, too. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like, yeah, we get it. You're, the screen doesn't actually like do that. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, but yeah, so anyway. don't go see Troll. Go see Bullet Train. Bullet Train yeah. is great. It's a fun romp. It's a lot of fun. Good movie. Good times. Yeah, you'll have a, you'll have a good time. Yeah. And if you have already seen these films and you have thoughts about Troll or Bullet Train that you want to share with us, you can let us know by tweeting us or Instagramming us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. You can like us on Facebook and make some comments there. You can email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Uh, leave ratings and reviews. We, we really appreciate those things. Uh, and but then buy t shirts and mugs. It's the holidays, folks. It's you, get, you have to get that less minute gift for your you know favorite Three Drinks in Podcast fan so you should do that over there at tpublic.com yeah do that stuff they have onesies and cell phone cases and masks if you live in a state that still requires you to do that or or if you're flying for the holidays you should you know get a mask on on the plane do it all right as always 
please drink responsibly. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.